do you know what your true identity is? In today's episode, we have members from the Minority Psychology Network regarding mental health awareness. We go over finding out what your true identity is besides playing basketball and also how to fulfill that potential. Stay tuned, guys. the Basketball Doctors Podcast. My name is Marco Lopez. I am a doctor of physical therapy and certified strength conditioning coach. My name is Gabe Ignacio. I'm a doctor of physical therapy. Our goal is to empower our listeners with evidence-based information of all things basketball. That includes injuries, recovery, rehab, nutrition, sports performance, and training. We will be interviewing key influencers to help you become a more well-rounded athlete at any skill level. Now we have one question for you. Are you ready to vote for life? Let's get it. Hey, what's up everyone? We have MPN here. So can you guys tell us how you guys started and what you guys are about? Okay, so um, my name is Successful. I'm the founder and president of the Minority Psychology Network. Today we have um, the Sports and Mental Health Committee, who you'll be hearing from. So the Minority Psychology Network was formed because um, I noticed there's a huge stigma regarding mental health attached to minority communities. So what we do is we work to break the stigma through many of our different um, things, such as our podcast, um, events, um, different committees which makes sure that we reach out to different audiences. The Sports and Mental Health Committee was created because we wanna make sure that athletes have a light that shine on them because a lot of people, kind of like the veterans, don't pay attention to the things that the athletes go through, even before the game, during the game, or after the game, because there's a lot of mental things that goes on with playing sports. You know, you have to be mentally strong. And there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of anxiety and different things that athletes feel. And we wanna make sure that we have a platform for them to be able to um, get education, information and insight, and also share our experiences as well. So I'll go on if that's okay with you to have each of the members introduce themselves. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so we'll start with chair for right now. This is Dr. KJ, so if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, everybody. I'm Dr. KJ, the vice chair for the Sports and Mental Health Committee, as well as the chair for the Fitness and Mental Health Committee. I am presently a mental performance coach, consultant. I work with athletes, students, whatever you may have it. And I really just work on them with their mental game and really helping them get to that next level for success by breaking through mental barriers. And my degrees are a doctorate in sport and performance psychology with concentration in clinical mental health counseling, a master's in leadership and sports management, and then my bachelor's in sports psych. And I'm presently going to school for my master's in clinical mental health counseling officially. Now we have KG. All right, yeah, I'm uh, KG, currently in Dallas, Texas, or Irving, Texas. I am also a PhD student at Texas Women University in sport management. And um, I also work with uh, uh, current high school athletes right now within like the training aspect and, uh, and coaching as well. Okay, thank you. Now we have Shannon. Hey everyone, my name is Shannon. I'm a board member of the Sport and Mental Health Committee, currently in Wichita Falls, Texas by way of Chicago. I am an 
an assistant athletic director at the Boys and Girls Club of Wichita Falls. So I hand, I assist in everything that's sport related or uh, just anything that's organized within the, you know, the Boys and Girls Club community. So yeah, it's pretty much what I, what I do. I have a master's in sport administration and a bachelor's in uh, exercise science. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Dr. Monica Caffey. I am the chair of the board for the, Psy the Minority Psychology Network. I am on because I want to support the Sports and Mental Health Committee. I am a de facto member <laughs> of them, and I'm very honored to be a part of this. I, I wear multiple hats, but I don't want to take up you all's time with what I do because the focus is on you today. Thank you. Yeah, that's perfect. We have the, the whole team here with us from MPN, mostly. But one of the issues that I wanted to jump into, and you guys kind of mentioned it through your statement and everything, is what are some of the mental barriers young athletes face right now in basketball or in athletics in general in every sport, especially with this whole issue of just specializing in a sport at a young age and the pressure from the parents? Kind of what are your guys' thoughts or what have you guys seen in your practices or are you helping with athletes? I think like with my athletes, I noticed a lot of like identity issues and not feeling like the social support from their coaches. And this is because I was at multiple schools where mainly aquatics coach, but I'm talking to athletes from different, um, different sports. And they're like, you're more relatable because you know, you don't yell, you're not in our face. You're not, you know, feeding us with negativity. You're really just mellow and it's a vibe we like, but our coaches, they don't care. They're putting these pressures on us. Our parents want us to be stellar athletes. They want us to go to college. So it's a lot of, a lot of hard pressure. And then I've seen it in my younger youth athletes where their parents are former Olympians or they were like D1 college athletes and so now the pressure is for them to do the same and what the parents aren't realizing is by having them come in at this young age you're now creating this burnout to where the kids come in at about six and by the time they're sophomores juniors in high school they're like do I even really want to do this anymore and I feel like the parents aren't tuned into that well you've got to do this because that's your way out this is your way into college and then there's all these other alternative factors and pressures that they're they're putting on them so I like to talk to the athletes and really just see where their head at where their their heads are at and really help them develop their identity what do you want to do is your goal to become this you know professional basketball player or is that because your dad didn't make it to the league or because your dad did make it to the league so now you have that pressure and really just getting to know them and I feel like that's super crucial for us as coaches to tap into that because you put too much pressure on a kid when they're young they're going to crack and break that's just my take on it okay I'll kind of just piggyback off Dr. KJ that was a great point that you made I think for me especially what I just from my experience what I just see within athletes is them having that pressure of, of having to succeed through basketball I'm gonna stay focused on basketball here because most of my athletes they just feel like that's the only way they can make it out of their situation so they think that they have to put all their all their eggs in this basket of basketball. And a lot of times they can end up use, losing or not even understanding what, like, what love is. They think that love is having that pressure and having that anxiety through to get a certain place where you might not even want to be, like, like Dr. Dr. KJ said. Yeah. So I think for them, it's just it's kind of just helping them understand that their potential can be reached in multiple facets. It doesn't have to be just in that one avenue. Even if it is in that avenue, just take time to enjoy it and take it for what it really is and use it to help you rather than, you know, think it has to be, it has to control you. I think that's a better way to put it. Those are great points. I love how you mentioned the identity. Can we elaborate more on that topic is when do you guys start talking to kids about what their identity is? Because I know I was talking with some 
retired basketball player that his whole identity was basketball. And then when he retired, he lost his identity because he couldn't play basketball anymore. So when do you guys start instilling like what your true identity is with, you know, any athlete per se? I, it depends on the athlete. Sometimes you have like a more mature middle schooler and you can really start to like develop that foundation then. And then sometimes they're not real serious till high school where they're really starting to find themselves. So between both age groups there, because they're more receptive. I found that when you're a good coach and you're really like that role model, that mentor, middle school is the perfect timing because they're receptive to everything that you're saying and then they're prepared for high school. Then by the time they get to high school, they're like, okay, coach used to tell me this. Okay, and they maneuver in a different way. Now, when you wait till they're in high school, granted, they're, they're more receptive, but then they have a lot of birds chirping in their ears. So they're like, okay, is that right? Is that is that not? It, it messes with them a little bit, but we always like to say like, you're an athlete, you're a student first before an athlete. So, you know, drive that home. And then who are you is a question that I love to ask any athlete because, you know, who are you? Most of them, oh, I'm a hooper or, you know, I'm a soccer player. Okay, that's nice. Who are you? And really dive deeper and then really make them rethink of, oh, you're right. I'm Sarah. I, I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. You know, I am a student and makes them really become more self-aware of who they are outside of that sport. So that's typically when I tend to do it. Do y'all do it differently? So I was going to say, just for me, I think I agree with you 100%, 1,000%. Because before I got into my my career and everything, I was, um, or when I got into my career, I'm sorry, I was a middle school teacher. That's what I was. And I think that was like the perfect age to see where that identity is starting to come. They're like, they're searching for it. They don't know. So you see them like mixing around with different crowds within the school. Like it's crazy how much you see it. Like it changes like throughout the whole year. I think that's like the perfect time to really ask those questions like, hey, what do you like? You know what I'm saying? So a lot of times for me as a coach, I try to go away from sports. I just, I'll ask them like, hey, you know, what kind of music do you like? Uh, do you like art? This type of thing. So that way you can kind of see where's your identity at outside of that, just that sport. I've met so many kids who actually, actually like to read. And, you know, they feel kind of embarrassed just to say that, you know, and but helping them lock into that, you know, who knows one day they can, they can even be an author of their own book one day just because they were able to talk that out and reveal that identity within themselves and let them know that it's okay to be a reader of books and play basketball. Yeah, KG, to, to piggyback off of, off of what you were saying, just taking it from personal experience for myself, you know, transitioning from a, a former student athlete into the position that I'm in today. During those time, during that time when I was a student athlete, that was pretty much what, you know, being a student athlete was almost the only thing that I, that I focused on. I was, you know, I didn't really take that much time out of the day outside of, you know, the student athlete regimen to learn about things that, that, you know, that relax me or that, that give me certain, that shape me into becoming a complete person, you know, outside of being a student athlete. So when I, when I think about these things, like right now, like, you know, I like to listen to music or I like to cook. I, I'm starting to like put more, to, you know, put more time towards things that I actually like that actually satisfy me. And I actually take those things and, you know, go to, I go to work and, you know, when I, when I look at the kids and I ask them, you know, they, they want to, they play sports or whatnot. And, uh, you know, when they're off, when they're done, when they're not playing their sports and they're at the, they're at my boys and girls club and they're in, you know, like the art room or they're in the game room, or they're in the, you know, the tech lab, you know, and I see certain things that they like to focus on or whatnot. And, you know, I like to, you know, reinforce those, those habits of, you know, just, you know, if you don't spend all day in the gym with, you know, with, 
the main gym assistant, you know, take the time to go into, you know, the tech lab, learn, learn a skill or two, learn about, you know, the, the STEM field, you know, think about what it is that you like. Do you like science? Do you like technology? Do you like, do you like, um, engineering? Do you like math or whatever? Take those, take those, those bits of time, uh, bits of time throughout the day to reinforce those habits and not, you know, focus all the time on, you know, just putting the hoop through a ball. I mean, putting the ball through a hoop or uh, throwing a ball, you know, to a, to a receiver or whatnot, because, you know, once you're done, once your body gives out, you know, for that, what do you have afterwards? So that's what I like to reinforce. With kids. I just wanted to add to that. That's one of the main reasons why we have the sports and mental health committee, because we want to let young athletes know that they are more than just the sport. They're more than just an athlete. We're going to have an MPN football camp. And um, after we have them learn like different skills and have like a scrimmage, we're going to have a talk with them. We want them to understand that their mental health is very important. And by putting all these different stressors and um, things like that on themselves, they're not learning who they are outside of being an athlete. So there are other ways that they can learn about things that they like to do and other career choices that they can have. So that's one of the things that we're going to emphasize on is um, other career choices. So that's a really good question. Thank you so much for asking us that. I mean, just to pick that, I mean, you guys made great points. I love how, you know, you guys are talking about embracing the identity. Let me ask you this question. For some of the athletes, I know I grew up in inner city Los Angeles where, you know, I was playing basketball growing up. It's kind of hard per se to embrace your identity. Even if I like books, I probably didn't like books because my friends told me not to like books. How do you embrace your identity within those terms? Because I know a lot of people playing basketball, I mean, for me, everyone was like, no one in our basketball team did any homework. But the only reason I did homework was because I wanted to stay on the basketball team because you wanted to have a certain GPA. And I wanted to go to school and you know provide for my family and everything. But how do you tell or what are some techniques that you help with kids to embrace that identity? Because it's kind of hard, you know, in certain environments, especially with the culture. How do you guys embrace that? Or how do you encourage the embracement of your identity? With the SWOT analysis that I like to use with athletes, it's really for like, you know, for them to become more self-aware and also to really just lock in on like where they can improve. And it also taps into like, what, what are you good at? So of course, like the, the S stands for strengths. What are your strengths or what are the strengths in the situation? You know, like when even dealing with like the pandemic now, like, okay, what are the strengths of being in this pandemic? Like what, what can you take out of it? Then looking at your weaknesses, you know, what are your weaknesses as an athlete? You know, where, where are the areas for your improvement? What are opportunities that are, you know, available to you? You know, is there study hall or is there extra training? Is there open gym? You know, um, do you guys have like those resources to, you know, go talk to somebody when you're feeling down? T is the threats. What are the threats that are, you know, there for the performance? Is the your opponent better than you? Are you brand new to the team and everybody else is already like acclimated to each other? So it's looking at those things. And that's what I do with a lot of my athletes for the SWAT. Now, when it comes to them really just embracing who they really are and their interests, you create that environment to where it's a norm. If it's always just basketball this and basketball that or sport this, sport that, and it's rigid and you don't make any room for fun, it, it takes away like, dang, I can't really like be anything but that athlete. Um, so I used to foster with my athletes, um, boys water polo, girls water polo, basketball, whatever, and just do fun things. What's something random about you that like nobody knows? 
or okay, who's somebody you look up to? And some, most of the times their parents and what their parents do. And so when you're listening to that, it's, it takes away from like that aspect, uh, that athlete aspect. Oh, I like cooking. What? No way. Like what's your favorite recipe? And then like fostering those conversations and then again, making that norm. If it's always a sport, then they're not going to think anything else other than the sport. Yeah. I just think just from, I like to try to, to highlight each person's like leadership qualities. So we work on those type of exercises as far as what can you be a leader in? A lot of times all leadership, most leadership exercises are start with, start with being a leader within yourself, like lead yourself first. And once we, we get to that point where we start off with isolation before we get to collaboration, you know what I mean? So we isolate that one person and we figure out what can you lead yourself in? And that starts with your interests, what motivates you? So once you figure out what motivates you, it doesn't really matter what everybody else is motivated by. Start with that. And then you start sharing your story and start sharing your thoughts. If somebody has that same motivation as you, then you guys can collaborate. If not, that's fine. You still can coexist with each other, but you don't have to do exactly the exact same thing as somebody else. No, that's huge. I liked how you mentioned just like the starting out with isolation, finding out, because I feel like finding out what you really want to do yourself, because sometimes the former athlete and just all the other people that I talk to with all the athletes we treat, it's like whatever the team's doing, they're doing or whatever they're, you know, it's kind of inclusive and you don't want to be the one left out per se, part of the, the team. One thing that I have a question for you guys in regards to going off on that identity topic, when do you guys kind of, or how do you guys separate the, the parents coming into the play? You know, cause the parents be like, Hey, my kid needs to do this. That's their identity. But the kid might be like, Hey, I don't want to, kind of play basketball but they're I guess quote unquote in too deep you know their parents are all in they're all um, you know they're already in but they don't want to do it have you guys dealt with those situations and how do you guys navigate those tricky situations especially when it's multiple parties involved I think that is very important to well from the clinical aspect of things I'm not a coach but it's very important for the parents to understand exactly what is going on with their child being an athlete, you know, because they show up to the games, they drop them off at practices, but knowing exactly what's going on, you have to be able to have that education. So that's having a conversation with the coach, that's having the conversation with the child and asking them, you know, what's going on? How do you feel about, you know, the game more than just, you know, winning or losing or injuries, like really getting to know exactly how they're feeling and what they're going through with being um, an athlete. So yeah, that's, that's what I would add to that. I know when we do our mental health talks, with sports mental health talks, we make sure that we incorporate the parents. And when we did it um, in Dallas, we were invited to do a panel discussion. The parents were very, very interested in what we had to say. The kids started playing already, the game started, and they didn't even wanna get up from their seats because they wanted to really hear um, the mental health aspects of what their child may be going through or could experience with being an athlete. So yes, the parents should definitely be involved. Yeah, to kind of piggyback off that, you know, the parents are involved and just the sports mental talks, what, what are some kind of tips or techniques that you guys recommend for players to do? or you know before a game or just every day i know we mentioned the identity when we're we, we kind of ask ourselves like who we are and everything what are we what are other tips that you guys recommend for athletes to perform to just improve just their mental health especially with all everything that's going around routines like first and foremost like 
get in, get in the swing of a routine and mental rehearsal. I can't tell you how many specifically basketball players that, you know, they're kind of just going through the motions of the warm-up and they end up shooting themselves in the foot because now they're not activated. They're really not practicing all the maneuvers that they need to during that warm-up to get them game ready. You know, it starts in practice. You know, you practice the way that you want to perform. So you start developing these routines. And then through mental rehearsal, okay, dang, coach just taught us this new way to do a, a layup or, you know, back cross, whatever. So you start rehearsing that. You rehearse mentally the way you want to perform. You're not sitting there focused on errors or all that. You go in that intent, and then that helps with that expectancy theory. You know, if you're thinking like, okay, I got this in the bag, like I'm going to do this, this, and that, you set that expectancy theory. And what that is, is whatever you expect, you're going to, it's going to end up coming to fruition. If you start thinking on that negative stuff, you're going to start playing negatively, and it's going to throw off your whole game. So I'm a big advocate for, you know, navigate through your routines, start getting pumped up, know, know your levels, know when you need to kind of calm down to focus and breathe and really be in the zone. And so those are my, my go-tos always. Uh, yeah, to, to piggyback off of what Dr. KJ said, I pretty much at just observing the athletes that, uh, that come in and, you know, throughout the different seasons in the Boys and Girls Club, like, uh, indoor soccer or basketball or football. If I see, you know, an ath- you know, a kid that's, you know, that's getting down on themselves or whatnot. I just tell them, you know, just I, I get first off, I gather them as a as a team and, you know, after a game, you know, just tell them like, just remember, I mean, if this whether they want whether they win or lose, you know, just just remember that this is just that this is fun. So you, you know, always, you know, don't don't take it too don't take it all, you know, too serious and, you know, just unclench your jaw, you know, relax your shoulders and everything. All Everything is about relaxation. So think about it as something that's therapeutic and some, instead of something that, you know, if you if you lose this, then there's a dire consequence behind it. You know, I think that's one thing that kids often, you know, think about is when they, uh, is if they lose, then they're expected to, you know, have some type of negative reinforcement to go behind it. So that's what I always do. I, I, tell, I tell them, you know, go in relax have fun if you do have a if you do have a bad game or if you have a a bad inning or a bad quarter or you know just a bad play series you know I I go to you know something that's like a a mantra to me like a physical like a physical touch thing like if I see something that I did wrong or whatnot you know I just brush my shoulder off and you'll just I just go right to the game so that was that's one thing that I always you know tell my kids and whatnot so I just want to say just from a coaching standpoint, man, anybody coaches, any coaches that listen to this is say, uh, to help your players out, figure out who they are and how they get motivated for an actual game or something like that. Because a lot of kids, especially at like middle school level and high school sometimes, they don't know how to get ready. Uh, Dr. KJ said, you know, it's, it's that routine, but like what kind of routine um, do they need? If this player is an introvert, then they probably don't, don't want to be around everybody trying to get ready for the game. You know, if they're extrovert, then, yes, they need the actual motivation from somewhere outside of themselves to get them ready, get them pumped up, you know, to get them lit, like as we say now. So those are things they kind of need. And then just to top it off, you might have those players who are who are too hype before a game, too hype. So then the type of music they listen to might be something that's kind of mellow, kind of like lowers them down. Because I had one player told me that he was just like, I'm always on 10, so I can't listen to something that's super crazy because I'm just going to be too amped for the game. I'm exhaust all my energy before we even start. And that was like powerful with him to know for himself, just to even know that. So he just told me like, I like, I listen to, to Drake <laughs> before the game because it gets me in my feelings, brings my emotions down a little bit. I'm not so amped. So now I can kind of just focus in on what we're doing exactly in the game. 
Yeah, that's great. It's like the whole don't drink and drive and like don't get in your feelings on driving. <laughs> but um, right. Well, I just want to add to that. I know anxiety is a real serious issue that a lot of athletes can have before the game. So some things that they can do to reduce anxiety and get prepared for the game is, you know, take a moment, actually take some time out to really just have like that zen meditation, you know, where you're not focused on game, you're not focused on anything, but just yourself, because that self time, that self care is really, really important. And eating a Eating well, too, making sure that you have a, a well-balanced meal is very, very essential. And also sleeping before the game. You know, a lot of people or, you know, athletes may go out the night before to celebrate, things like that. And you wonder why you're kind of jittery or feeling a certain way. But, yeah, getting sleep is very, very essential. And I always say take deep breaths, you know, just make sure that you take the time to breathe in. And then breathe out, you know, practicing on your breathing really, really helps uh, reduce anxiety as well. Those are huge points that you mentioned, just the breathing and meditation. I mean, meditation, they've shown already that it stimulates the vagus nerve, which kind of turns on the parasympathetic system, which is pretty much that rest digest. Because I feel like we're always constantly in that sympathetic fight or flight, like we're ready to fight or flight. But, you know, we're not born to be in the fight or flight. That's constant. And it's only for like games working out. We should be in that parasympathetic where we're resting and then from there we turn into that sympathetic because if we're always in sympathetic we're never in recovery and just going to keep on adding more stressors to kind of piggyback off what you said breathing and meditation in regards to meditation what are other mental or what are what kind of go in a round table what are your mental health exercises that you do daily if you guys could go around your you know daily things that you kind of use to improve your mental health uh so i think for me something i learned from my therapist actually was create like an actual an image in your mind. Cause I know for me, a lot of my anxiety comes from me making up stories in my head that haven't happened. Like it's like in the future or something like that. So that gives me anxiety instead of me living in the moment. So one thing that I like to do is I, I like to close my eyes and think of visualize a stop sign. So in my mind, I'm going through what shape is the stop sign? What color is it? Uh, what color is the letters? How do I, how do I spell stop? So I'm going through all these things that I guess to say, like distract myself in a sense from the anxiety that I was having. And by the time I finished going through all those characteristics, now I've got myself back into the moment and what's going on right now. I'm not trying to think of an outside of my head, but like that. Just to follow up on that, why a stop sign per se? Or is that just one that you chose? I just wanted to just for like the audience, is like the, is that the best thing that you felt like, you know, a stop sign really helps me calm down because the, the word stop or was it just like one that you just randomly picked? No, exactly like you just said, because not only am I describing it, I'm telling myself to stop doing what I'm doing. Stop doing, making up that what's in my mind. It isn't really true. So yeah, exactly what it is. It was just that, uh, just having that word stop and telling myself to stop repeatedly in my head. You know, I'm getting myself back into focus into what's real. Nice. I love that one. Well, I'll, I'll say, but um, to, to piggyback, well, to, to go back to what uh, KG was saying about one of his athletes, when I would get ready for games or whatnot, I would just, I would, you know, find some music that's, you know, that's calming for me. Uh, sometimes I wouldn't even, it wouldn't even have to be, it wouldn't even have to be an actual song with, with lyrics added to it. It could just be instrumentals. I, I can remember as far back as my baseball playing days, I would go before a game 
go to the dugout and sit to the very far end and just turn on, just put my headphones in, put my cap down and just, and just look down at the ground and just, just zone out and just listen to, you know, whatever, whatever thing, whatever music that, that I picked on that was soothing me the most, I would just put that on repeat and leading up until the game. So like, if it was like 30 minutes before a game, after we got done doing our warm ups, our practice or whatever it is that we were doing, you know, um, throwing a ball to each other to warm our arms up, I would just go over there and, you know, to the, to the dugout and just zone out and just, 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 like I say, just vibe, just get ready for it. Relax. Nice. What song is it? What would you say right now? If you're playing baseball, what song would you have in your playlist right now or in your Spotify playlist or oh, Apple music? Uh, man. So an instrumental, it, well, it's not even an instrumental. Well, I guess you could say it's an instrumental, but I'm taking it back all the way to it would be a jazz, a jazz song called what's what's Garden of Garden of Peace. And it's uh the artist is Lonnie Liston Smith. So that for those that are in like hip hop, you would uh recognize the you would recognize the song in uh Jay-Z's Dead Presidents. Yeah. So it, it, uh, it goes that do so it's you know something like that but the, the original song is slowed down so you can actually hear every instrument that's involved and that is i would use an image to where if i heard one uh one instrument it would almost be like kind of like neon piano keys that you could like step on, you know, every, you know, going up a level or whatnot. So I would picture that type of image in my head. So, and then one that's got lyrics in it is probably something that I'm feeling right now was that, that new Drake tape, Deep Pockets. I would definitely, I would definitely put that on. <laughs> <laughs> no Drake and Drive. <laughs> no Drake and Drive, yeah. Be careful out there, guys. <laughs> Getting your feelings out there. <laughs> Sweet. So I use like two methods because it really depends on the day. I have like the coffee filter method, which is for like feedback and how I'm processing and to help me get to better self-talk. And then I have like the traffic lights method, which helps me to become more self-aware of like when I need to rest. So with the coffee filter method, it's if you've ever drinking coffee and you make it at home, you know, you get the filter, you put the grinds in and it's the whole process of the filter catches all the bad. So it doesn't end up in your cup of coffee. And when you're processing, you know, feedback or negative thoughts or, you know, bad things, you let them catch in that filter and you don't let that strain into your cup of coffee. Because if you've ever, for whatever reason, your filter's not working and you've gotten coffee grit in your, in your drink, you're just like, oh, this is gross. So you do that same thing with the feedback. You don't want to let that gunk or crap, like get into your cup of coffee, which is like you and how you're performing, how you're maneuvering. You want that perfect cup, that perfect blend let it all seep through, let all the positive, which is the water running through, let that run through into your cup of coffee. And then of course, all the little extras. Some people like it black, some people like it heavy cream, some people like it like with sugar and everything in the mix. You know what other little extra things that you need to know or that you need to feed yourself to be able to you know, maneuver better. I know for me, I get real hard on myself because sometimes I'm a perfectionist and I'm like, dang, like things aren't going according to plan. I'm like, pause, let's go through this coffee filter method, take out all the negative, you know, slow down, enjoy it. And then when it comes to even that, using self-awareness with the traffic light method. Green, everybody knows you're good to go. So that means I'm feeling my best, I'm good, I can do whatever. Yellow light means, okay, you know, you're reaching that point where you kind of need to slow down, like even with my speaking, like slow down, pause, you know, you maybe need a break. And then when you hit that red light, that means your crash cart and you're done. 
and you completely need to stop. And I know a lot of athletes can utilize this in their performance and becoming aware of your traffic lights or becoming aware of those signals, letting your coach know that, hey, when you're feeling a red, hey, coach, that means take me out. And so for me, when I hit those reds, it's like, KJ, you need to chill. Turn off social media, turn off your phone, go lay down, go rest, watch Netflix, do whatever to make you feel better. And so those are both methods and things that I do on a day-to-day because I can drive myself crazy. It's nice. I love that. Especially just kind of like resetting your body if you're on that red and everything. That's good. So for me, it's kind of a mixture between KG and Dr. KJ. Well, actually, Shannon, because I like to listen to music, too. I think music is really, really soothing. Um, but I practice mindfulness, which is a form of meditation. So being able to celebrate separate yourself from what's actually going on in that moment is very powerful because like KG said, where you're thinking about the future and what's going on and it's not even happening right now, that causes a lot of anxiety and stress. So just being able to be in that present moment and have all those distractions, you know, away from you, it's, it's very, very soothing. So that's pretty much what I practice and doing that while listening to music definitely helps. Nice. I love those tips. I mean, one thing I picked up from another person, they told me to start like a gratitude journal. So I write down every morning, like three things that I'm thankful for or grateful for to kind of like like you guys mentioned, just kind of calm everything down be like, Hey, kind of got this, especially what Dr. KJ said. Sometimes you feel like you're overwhelming yourself. You're like all this stuff. And you're like, all right, let me just find out that I'm in the green light, you know, and not in the red light. But just to end it off, um, we'll say one more thing. What's your favorite basketball memory? We'll do a round table. Or what's your favorite basketball? We usually ask this question to everyone that comes in our podcast. Either, you know, playing, watching. We'll guys, let you guys decide. Just give us, like, one basketball memory or fun thing that you want the audience to know about you. Well, I'll say for me, because <laughs> I'm not a basketball player, but in the fifth grade, I made the C team. So... <laughs> That was exciting for me. <laughs> that counts. <laughs> I think for me, I just didn't know like what talent I had. So I just tried out, made the team. But I got to the point where I was just very aggressively, like aggressively good on defense to the point I'd play my heart out. I didn't care who you put me against. I was like a little pit bull, but I was playing so hard that I ended up dislocating my ribs and not realizing it. Jeez. So I would play to the point where I ended up having to wear the brace to keep them tight. And at one point my coach was like, I don't want to like put you in because like, I don't want you to like be any more hurt. And I'm like, it's okay, coach. Like, just put me in, like, I'll do whatever it takes. And then just playing through that pain, it just set, set it up for me differently from being a freshman in high school playing ball to how I look at things now. It's like, you can get through that pain, then like you can do anything. And so that's one of my favorite memories because everybody like freaked out, but I wasn't freaked out. I was like, yep, I can barely breathe, but whatever. I'm still going to play. I'm going to give you my all. So you can play through your injuries, y'all. <laughs> so I think for me, it's going to be probably be the first time I, I dunked in a game, which was actually from an alley-oop because up until then I was scared to dunk. Like I would, you know, they call me, they call me a warm-up dunker. I do everything in warm-ups, but once the game started, I wouldn't do none of that stuff. It's straight layups. So for me, it was just like we were coming out of a timeout, and one of my uh, friends, he was the point guard, was like, hey, I'm going to throw your alley-oop. And I was just like, all right, man, whatever, forget it. Let's go ahead and try it. Because I think we were we were already up by a few, few points, and the game was almost over. 
So I came down the lane, he throws it up, and I catch it, and I dunk it with two hands on, like, two different dudes. But the crazy thing about it was my eyes was closed the whole time. So <laughs> I kind of, like, didn't get to see the moment, but I was in it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Did um, we get a picture? Posterize uh, someone. Nah, I know. I wish. Yeah, I wish it was a picture or something, man. But, yeah, my eyes were closed, so I didn't get to see, like, the ball go through the hoop and all that. I remember it happening in the gym screaming, and then I was like, hey, that was my first dunk, so I was hype off of that. But, yeah, that was my favorite moment. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of hard to top for your first dunk right there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I surprising. Well, I don't think it's too surprising, but I never really played organized basketball. So like I said, my whole life was baseball leading up to college, going into football. But a favorite basketball memory of mine, 90, the 97-98 NBA Finals and Jordan taking the last shot. Like, I remember that. I remember watching that watching that game completely from game – I mean, from uh, first quarter all the way to the end. You know, just everybody just in the living room, grandparents, uncle. I think I had, a, like, a few cousins over. Like, the whole living room was filled. And we're just, like, sitting on edge. And just watching, like, man, is this is are we gonna are we gonna lose this game or what? Like, are we gonna is this gonna be like we were actually thinking like is MJ gonna gonna really like let us down and take us to game and like have us go to game seven because we've never gone to a game seven ever in 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 that dynasty period. So him coming out of that, uh, I think it was a timeout. Jordan uh, coming down and he uh, and he made that move against what's the guy's what's the guy's name? I can't remember. I can't remember who he who he made fall for that final yeah. shot. It was a it was a little push off. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he did make him fall. <laughs> I forgot. I'm blanking out his name. Yeah, he's irrelevant. But no. <laughs> but no, him just just seeing that that last that last image of Jordan just taking that last shot and just having just the replay over and over again. Just the image is just iconic, and us like the whole living room just erupting. And we, we you know we just knew after that it was you know the game was over. We're like, okay, we're, we 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 had our fun, but you know living in uh, <laughs> living in Chicago, you know we had those crazy times. You know everybody celebrating like, okay, we gotta get behind the couch now. We gotta see everybody's gonna go out and celebrate. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was that was one of my favorite basketball moments. Man, that's super relevant, especially with the whole Last Dance documentary going on. Man, those probably brought back good memories right there oh yeah definitely bringing back good memories especially robin (laughs) crazy man right there and then monica i know you wanted to mention something regarding athletes thank you so much and i want to tell you all this has been amazing um conversation and i actually did not play basketball but i am a basketball fan a fanatic um michael jordan all-time favorite of mine of course kobe and many of them, Magic, all of them and my family is, and I actually have children who are athletes. But I wanted to speak in in terms of a clinician, and one of the things that I wanted to uh, reiterate is that, you know, health is your mental health. And one of the areas that I'm able to see, not only having children who are already athletes, but also um, working in the school systems and also supporting a lot of the Lakers with their mental health after they become professional athletes, I can tell you that there's undiagnosed mental illness with a lot of athletes that does, 
that is normally not addressed and that's redirected into them participating in athletics as a way to deal with anxiety, depression. It could be something even more serious, such as bipolar disorder. And I can tell you what happens is there's a biomedical concept that when you're increasing your physical abilities, obviously you increase dopamine. And dopamine is a hormone that makes us feel good. And so it also goes into an overachievement mode for a lot of athletes. And it starts at very young ages. And one of the areas that is not normally addressed is the mental health aspect of athletes, their social emotional environment, what is taking place in their homes. And I did not want to leave this conversation without saying that we need to begin to integrate that conversation and also the athletes having assessments just like they have their physical health before it becomes something tragic. We have seen an increase in suicide. I can tell you across the board from all levels, from the professional setting, and it's normally started at earlier ages, but just wasn't treated. So I encourage all of you, particularly the audience that will hear this, to please tap into the resources that the Minority Psychology Network offers um, and get the supports for these athletes at younger ages so that we won't have to see unfortunate outcomes from undiagnosed mental health issues. Yeah, those are great points. So kind of segue from that, where can they find you? Like, what are you guys' Instagram, website, and everything? What are some of the resources you guys provide for athletes and just general people? So, yeah, so um, you can find us on Instagram at the minorities, um, actually at MPN underscore MPN underscore. That's our Instagram. The Twitter is MPN underscore MPN. And Facebook is the Mighty Psychology Network. And you can also email us at the minor at MPN at the Minority Psychology Network dot org. Perfect. And we'll include all your uh, information on the media notes. And is there any other workshops that you guys have available that are upcoming anything that you recommend people to take part of? So yes, every two weeks we have a sports and mental health talk. The next one is coming up on um, this Friday, actually. And this is where we allow the community, the sports world to come in and speak about their experience during COVID-19 and not having sports. And we give tips and mental health um, advice in order how to, you know, keep a health, healthy mental health during this time. So um, I think this is a very, very important talk that we can definitely get a lot of, like, not only athletes, but fans, um, coaches, everybody that's a part of the sports world to contribute so that, that way they can also process how they're feeling during this time. We also have our fitness and mental health committee that hosts a workout every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. PST. And then on um, every Sunday, we have a um, Ask MPN talk where we have um, MPN board members and executives give education and information about whatever topic that we're speaking about that week. And the um, audience can ask any questions regarding mental health, anything about psychology, or however we can help them as a mental health organization. Perfect. We'll include all that in the media notes as well. And for everyone listening, thank you guys for tuning in. This was a great talk regarding just mental health and also just identity, just embracing your identity in as an athlete and just in the basketball realm as well. So thank you guys for coming on. Thank you so much for having us. Appreciate yeah, thank it. Thank you for having us.
You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook with the handle at Basketball Docs. Our website is www.thebasketballdoctors.com or you can email us at thebasketballdoctors at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening and following us. We hope you learned something valuable from our discussion today and use this knowledge to get a leg up over the competition. We would love to continue bringing you information regarding all things basketball. So please rate us, subscribe, comment, and tell your friends. Let's ball for life.